Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm your host, Sandra McDevitt. Today, a true account by a photojournalist embedded with the U.S. military in Iraq. It's an amazing account of what happens when an armored vehicle is exploded by a roadside bomb. Stay tuned for this incredible story on Another Stories from the Heart. is a true incident recorded by Mike Leon, a photojournalist embedded in Iraq with the U.S. military. The C-130 landed in Mosul. Inside the airfield shack, military phones were not working, so I could not call the 124th Infantry for a ride, leaving me stuck at the airfield. But soldiers are usually quick to give someone a ride, so when I spotted a sergeant, who looked like he was going somewhere, I asked for a lift. You're a civilian? Well, the dues for of the 124th is sort of my unit. I'm not going that way, but I'll give you a lift. Once there, I dropped off the bags in my trailer and headed for headquarters and found everyone smiling. They had just hauled in a major weapons catch. When they welcomed me back, too, I thought it's good to be home even when the home is war. I spent much of the night at the headquarters getting caught up on the ever-changing Mosul. Soldiers showed captured enemy video of a sniper attack in Baghdad. An American soldier was walking near a Humvee when, crack, he was knocked flat by a bullet. His gears stopped death's dispatch at the door. He was stunned but jumped back to his feet, ready to fight. After finding cover, the soldier located the sniper. The enemy continued to take the whole thing right up to the moment the soldier and his buddies caught the sniper and video team. While that attack turned okay for our soldiers, snipers have become an increasing threat. Catching up on the events, I heard stories of raids capturing high-value targets, more homicide car bombings, and the continued progress of the Mosul police and Iraqi army. Next morning came early, but provided a chance to reconnect with my neighbors, the snipers and members of Recon Platoon. There was Walt Gaia from Argentina originally, but proudly serving in the American army, a photographer who plans to study photojournalism when he gets home. Walt had taught me some important things about photography, Walt shoots in black and white with his little Leica film camera that costs more than some fishing boats. I got the strange feeling that he'll become a great photojournalist if he survives the war. But for now, something bigger than the future holds him here. Walt doesn't talk about it, but the first thing to draw the eye in his room is the small shrine he keeps for his roommate, Plum, who was killed in battle. Walt misses Plum immensely. The recon platoon is comprised mostly of young men. Combat has padded the age of most of these veterans, although you wouldn't know it from the ferocity of the fight still in them. Along with Plum, they'd lost another buddy, Benjamin Rat Morton, 
who was killed on a raid not long ago. In fact, of 15 snipers in the company, five have been killed and nearly all the rest have been wounded. Walt is one of the 11 Deuce Four soldiers scheduled to receive their U.S. citizenship in a ceremony in Baghdad. While the sun was still rising into the day, I made an appointment to see Walt later that night to look at some of his new black and white prints. When we said goodbye, neither knew that he would not return from his mission that night. But this morning, the plan was to go downtown with Deuce Four. Before departing the base, we had the normal briefing, where Captain Jodway, the intelligence officer, warned about a severe car bomb threat today. Watching a screen from inside the striker, an armored vehicle, the soldiers spotted a white car that matched the vehicle the army had been hunting. Our soldiers blocked the car, dismounted, and ascertained the identity of the men, who were then detained. Meanwhile, mindful of the previous night's briefing and the recent sniper attacks, I was taking photos but found myself constantly seeking new cover from sniper fire that might be no more than a breath away. When the Deuce Force soldiers started loading their two detainees into the striker, crack, a sniper fired. The bullet raced towards us at about one half mile per second. At that speed, even if the bullet strikes a helmet or the armor plating that covers chests and backs, the impact alone can kill. The supersonic bullet was heading straight into the back of the striker, where, bang, it punched a hole through a metal seat, barely missing a detainee and the American soldiers next to him. A group of soldiers were already running in pursuit of the sniper. Lieutenant Colonel Carilla and his dismounted crew took chase, and I took chase behind them, wearing all kinds of fire retardant and protective gear. Carilla stopped for a few seconds, just long enough to tell a man to get his kids inside, then bolted after the enemy. We ran and walked some blocks, but the four strikers maneuvering around us, but we never found the sniper. Later that evening, the recon platoon and the snipers, Walt among them, headed downtown on a mission of their own. Mark Bush was driving one of the strikers when he parked to allow observation of some key terrain directly atop a bomb. Within seconds, Mark got the willies about the parking spot, and just as he was about to come over the radio, blam! The heavy striker flew into the air, blasting tires asunder, one tire flying more than a hundred miles. The explosion was so hard that it traumatized the tailbone of the men. The blast ripped through the bottom of the striker, and straight into an AT-4 missile. The fire extinguishing system blasted away. The place was completely dark. The back hatch was jammed, but the tiny emergency hatch was blasted open, yet was behind ripped metal that would cut any survivors or rescuers to ribbons. There was no light whatsoever in the smoke, dust, and fire extinguishers. Nine men were in the striker. The force of the bomb blew off everyone's protective glasses, and the exploded fire extinguishers covered everything inside the smoking striker with powder. Some of the soldiers were unconscious. Others thought their legs and feet were gone. 
The device had been planted beside a large water main. The big water pipe burst, flooding the road and the striker in a small, fast-moving river. A large part of Mosul lost water. Emergency calls went out, helicopters spun up, and men prepared for battle. Mark Bush was still in his driver's seat. The blast hit behind him, throwing him against his seatbelt and wrenched his shoulder. He was so dazed it took him a moment to realize something had happened. Skewers of white-hot metal from the explosion had ripped into the striker. Walt was closest to the blast. The helicopters launched to provide security over the site. Wounded were evacuated to the combat support hospital, all while combat power and recovery assets raced through the streets from other parts of Mosul. All the men returned to duty within a day or so, except for Walt. They are all limping around, peppered with cuts and shrapnel and bruises, showing me the marks on their faces and bodies, and Mark's stiff shoulders seem almost lame. He can't use it for now. Scotty, another sniper, is upset because his platoon sergeant will let him go on missions until he can prove fit for combat by running on a treadmill. I'm okay, Scotty said yesterday while sunning himself. I just can't sit on base while all the time my buddies are out there. But for Walt, his war is over. Doctors say he will recover, but he needs eye surgery, and he is out of action. Perhaps he can pursue photojournalism in peace, but Walt will miss the citizenship ceremony in Baghdad. After seeing the damaged striker and being unable to visualize how human bodies would have to be arrayed in order to fit in what was left of it, I had to ask. I found Mark Bush and asked him how they all escaped being killed. Without hesitation, Mark looked straight at me and said, We had angels watching us. My face must have given away skepticism, so he said to me, Mike, did you see what it did to the striker? Yes, I replied. Well, there was no other way to explain how we survived except that Plum and Rat were there and they stopped the blast. I know they were there. Plum and Rat held up their hands to save us. They stopped the blast. They were there. Soldier's Psalm 91 Prayer O Lord Most High, help me to dwell in your secret place and abide under your shadow. Help me to believe and say out loud for everyone to hear that you are my refuge and my fortress, that you are my God, and that in you I put my trust. Father God, cover me with your camouflage. Hide me under your wings and let your truth be my shield and buckler against the fiery darts of the enemy. Lord Jesus, help me not to be afraid of terrorist attacks in the night or weapons that fly by day. O holy God, though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand fall at my right hand, please let it not come close to me and to my companions. Let no evil conquer me and let no plague come into my house. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, please send angels 
over me, to keep me in all your ways, to bear me up in their hands, and to keep my feet from stumbling. Father God, help me to tread upon the lion and adder, and trample the young lion and the dragon under my feet. Deliver me and lift me on high to soar with the eagles. I call upon you to be with me in times of trouble, to deliver me and honor me, because I know your name. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's true story was by photojournalist Michael Yon and can be found on the Internet by typing in the words, Angels Among Us. For a copy of the Soldier's Psalm 91 Prayer, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed the show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.